Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. So why do you want to be part of the Olympic Games? Because it brings attention, publicity, standing, and money. Mesdames et messieurs, the greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! You can do it! You can do it! Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! But that is an Olympic champion. Ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever, the podcast for Olympics fans. I'm your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Allison, hello. How are you today? I'm okay. I'm back. Yes, it's very good to have you I'm, back. I'm back and better than ever. <laughs> you know, it's been a little bit of little bit of a rough week, but I said to myself, if Laura Wilkinson can jump off a crazy high platform with a broken foot, I can do my podcast this week. There you go. I, you know, I need to keep that in my brain too because it's been a, t- it's been a tough and tiring, couple of weeks all around. I'm living in a world of boxes because we're packing up to move to the Midwest, and it's been, it's been tough. I will say that, but yeah, we will stick with it. It will get better, and yes, change is difficult. Change is difficult, but change is good. Yes, so. And we will emerge stronger than ever when we get out of this little period. Before we get to this week's show, we'd like to give a special shout out to listener Patrick for becoming a bronze level donor on Patreon. And we so appreciate your support because we do invest a lot of time and money in this endeavor. And we appreciate the patrons like Patrick who help us make it happen. Join our group at patreon.com slash olimfever and get special patron benefits, including audio you can't hear from the show. Patrick made the podium. Yeah, I know. He did make the podium. It's pretty awesome. So we're talking the Olympic sports program today. The last time we were both on together, Paris had announced the four sports that it wants to put on the program. In addition to most of the other sports that are on the Tokyo program, minus karate and baseball, softball. Right. Last October, when we talked with the sports examiner's editor, Rich Perlman, about the Youth Olympic Games, we also discussed the proliferation of sports on the Olympic program. So take a listen to what he had to say about this topic. This is really the IOC's dilemma. Their problem has been, and it's a really serious problem for them, the problem is not the games per se. People know what the games are. 
they see a lot of people in top hats for equestrian and bathing suits for swimming and essentially running around in their underwear in track and field, running around the stadium, and they raise their arms or they fall down crying or they do whatever it is that they do, and it's very dramatic for two weeks. That's all great. The IOC is having a very difficult time, and they're smart people there. I know a number of the people there. They're not stupid, but they're having a very difficult time understanding what they do, why they do it, and why people should be interested. For a long time, there was so little sport internationally that the Olympics came on and were this huge shot in the arm for two weeks. Now we have too much sport. Now, Jill, you get the sports examiner, mm -hmm. and you see there are times when I have an issue on Monday, and it's 40 pages long. Yep. Yeah, Nothing that calendar is incredible. It's unbelievable. There's stuff going. There was an event I did not cover because it, it was not that important, and none of the good athletes competed in it. But the modern pentathlon people, now there's a sport that's, you know, part and parcel of the Olympic Games. It's only in the Games because de Cooperton created it. Um, that's the only reason it's still there. But... The, the modern pentathlon people now, it's a five-event program, which is actually four events now, mm -hmm. right? because right, they combine the laser, laser run. They combine the shooting and the running into this laser run. So they had the world championship in laser run. Just laser run. We're not going to fence, not going to... We already had the world championships a couple weeks ago. All the big names were there. Very exciting. Okay. Uh, upsets galore. It was very wonderful. Okay, terrific. In a stadium, a new stadium to build, in Monterpetathlon Stadium in Mexico City. All right, great. Now we have a laser run world championship. Uh, that must have drawn just enormous crowds. <laughs> just, that must have been absolutely packed. So I didn't cover it. Uh, I put it on the calendar in case somebody was interested. They could go and find it. Uh, but I didn't cover it because I looked at it and none of the top athletes were there. It's only three weeks since the world championships. They're all now training for next year because we're starting with Olympic qualifying points uh, and things like that. And this doesn't get you any points, so therefore they're not interested. But there's sport everywhere. Everywhere. We have too much. One of, one of the things that is amazing is that the games keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and that's uh, part of the problem of hosting. So why doesn't yes. the, instead of reaching out to youth and creating this Youth Olympic Games, why not just create a third different type of Olympics? and have that in the rotation, and then you could have three smaller games. Money. Money. Remember that the IOC, at least through 2032, is married to the broadcaster in the United States, NBC, and the broadcaster in the, the consortium in Brazil. Olympic television rights have been sold for winter games and summer games through 2032. So if they were going to introduce anything, the real decision would not be by the IOC. The decision would be by NBC and the Brazilians and the EBU uh, and all these others. It's the broadcasters. All the money, it's, it's a, uh, Mark Felt, the FBI agent who is known as Deep Throat in the Watergate, said something which has been true since the time of Hammurabi. Follow the money. Follow the money. And, my, and, and Hammurabi didn't even know about money because money wasn't introduced until the time of the Greeks. But he understood finance and he understood barter, which is what the economy was based on in, in ancient times. You have to follow the money. And so the IOC 
has a very hard time saying no, but they are getting closer to it. They are getting closer to it. They understand that they are on the precipice. They're fine through 32, although this 26 winter thing could be really bad for them. They literally could be down to one or two candidates. The IOC has the problem of being very, very rich for nothing that, ha that they did. They didn't earn it. The organizing committees earned it and turned it over to them. And the popularity of the games, especially in the United States, is what's made the uh, IOC rich. So they have so much money that they're now giving it away to the organizing committees. And they, there are dozens and dozens of international federations. The dance sport people are beside themselves with joy that they're going to have three events in the Youth Olympic Games. And these events will go fine. These guys will and girls will spin around and jump up and down and they'll be judged and they'll get a 9-5 and, and uh, they'll be the great heroes of uh, breakdancing. And they'll say, great, we want breakdancing in Los Angeles in 32 because there was breakdancing at the press party in 1984. And I know this because I hired them. And everybody, all these uh, European journalists, especially the, the Germans and the Eastern Bloc uh, would send a few journalists and they would go, Rich, this is really a great party and we're happy to be here in Los Angeles, but was ist das breakdancing? <laughs> they didn't get it. They, they just did not understand head spins and all that stuff. It was 1984, right? So now they want to be, you know, part of the Olympic Games. Why do you want to be part of the Olympic Games? Because it brings attention, publicity, standing, and money. And it's about money. And uh, the IOC has to get into a place where it says we have to scale the summer games back to something which is manageable. And there are ways to do that. The winter games, they feel that they could take on more events, not necessarily more sports, because they have the problem. The Olympic Charter says the winter games have to be events that are held on snow or ice. So, for example, cross-country, which is in the youth games, and that the IEF is jumping all up and down about, oh, this is great, we haven't had uh, cross-country under the Olympic flag since 1924, Pablo Norme, uh, all that stuff, and, and that would be a great event in winter games. Cross-country is a winter sport, uh, but it's not on, on snow or ice, it's on trails. So uh, that's the problem, you'd have to change the Olympic Charter. But the, you're going to see, the IOC has said so, you're going to see more and more events uh, I don't know how many more spins and hot dogging events in, in skiing and snowboard, maybe rocket-powered skis, something like that, jumping between countries. That's <laughs> Fisk could come up with that with rocket-powered skis. That's possible. You know, those kinds of things I think you'll see more of because the broadcasters are saying we can take more content in uh, winter games. And you're going to see more sprint events and you're going to see more of these mixed events. Um, the IOC thinks that the uh, answer to any problem is to put boys and girls together in the same um, event. That That's their mantra right now. I don't know that that proves anything, but that's what they want to do. In the summer games, they have a major, major, major problem. Um, the games are way too big. And this is why they handed the games to Paris and Los Angeles so that they can try and figure it out. But they are starting to get a grip on this. Boxing is 50-50 to be in Tokyo. They could be eliminated. 
weightlifting, the number of weightlifters uh, has been cut back dramatically by about 40% uh, because of all the doping problems that they've had. And weightlifting has really, really clamped down on the way that they are uh, administering their competitions now and their drug testing uh, protocol uh, in order to try and stay in the game. So the Odyssey is starting to come to grips with the fact that they have to start eliminating some of these sports. And if they don't do it, um, the games are going to remain as just too huge. And by the way, every single one of the federations is trying to figure out how they can get more events in the games so that they can get more airtime. And what does that mean? More money. Right. It all comes back to money. Which is interesting. One of the interesting things is that skateboarding is in seemingly to attract the younger generation, but they don't seem like a sport that really wants to be in the Olympics. From what I've read is that the attitude that the Olympics needs us more than we need them. Well, uh, now you have, unfortunately, and this is a sad commentary on where the IOC is, the IOC is now so convinced that they need youth to watch the games that they are now chasing that audience, believing that if they put children in the games, young people in the games, younger sports in the games, that therefore they will get more attention from these younger people and create a brand affinity uh, between these young viewers uh, and the Olympic Games. And the skateboarders are going, we don't want to be judged. It's not about, it's about turning a good trick and then telling my friend how he can turn that trick. And that's their ethos in that activity. They don't even see it as a sport. They see it as an activity, something that they can do with their friends and have fun. And then if they come together in a competition, which for them, if you see these skateboarding events on television, they're more about being in a convention than they are in a competition. Because as soon as someone turns a trick, you see this in the X Games also, they go and they tell their friend or they tell the other competitors how they did that trick or how they tried to do the trick or how they escaped from getting killed doing that trick, or how many months it took them to try and figure out how to do that trick. And uh, that is something that's totally different from what the games are about. And those of us who are purists in sports, not essentially in the games, hate these judge sports. We just hate these judge sports. Give me something like track, where the first one across the line, you have a computer, it takes a picture, there it is, they got there first, they didn't get there first, give that one this medal, give that one the other medal. Same with swimming. They either touch first or they didn't. But don't give me this business about boxing where, well, he's from North Korea. I had a good experience in North Korea, so he almost got knocked out, but I'm going to give him the victory. And that's essentially what's happening in boxing. And all these sports that are coming in are mostly, not totally, but mostly judge sports. And that's, that's a big problem. That's a big problem. But the IOC is chasing its audience. It's not leading... It's chasing, and they're doing it rather desperately, and the Tokyo folks played into this by agreeing to have all these sports that are supposed to revolutionize the games. Well, the last I heard, soccer is still by far the number one sport in the world. So it's not skateboarding, it's not surfing, it's not karate, it's not sport climbing. Now, if you want to really look at a sport that's impossible to understand, go and look at the bouldering scoring in uh, sport climbing. 
It's indiscernible. I do better reading ancient Hebrew than I do in understanding sport climbing, bouldering. It's unbelievable. But the, all these sports have come in because they're going to attract youth. And I don't think it's going to do that. I don't think it's going to do anything for the Olympic Games at all. The Olympic Games has a unique opportunity because of its quasi-religious background of saying the purpose of the Olympic Games is to bring, and it says this in the Olympic Charter, but they just don't ever emphasize it, is to bring nations together in peaceful competition to show that everyone can get along at least for two weeks. That's a fine thing. That's a fine thing. And this business about North Korea and South Korea being together, is that going to solve the problem? Problems in the Korean Peninsula? No, it's not. But it's still a fine thing because it shows that these people don't have to kill each other all the time. They can take a break, play some hockey, and then go back to bickering or killing each other. But that's, to me, what the Olympic, the promise of the Olympic Games is about. They talk about it, but they don't emphasize it. And I think there's an opportunity for them to say, this is a movement about peace. And they, they can get there. They're making small incremental moves there, but their messaging is not consistent. And they're being hit from all sides by these various problems. Um, and they don't have the strong brand um, affinity uh, for people to say, all right, we're going to take two weeks out and we're going to have some nice games and we're going to appreciate those. That went out in Munich. Palestinians changed that forever by killing the Israelis. And so now you have, regardless of the cost of the games, there's $1 billion plus from the host country that comes in for security. There's no way to get around it. It's the way it is today. And it's a zero tolerance. You can't have a problem uh, with that. And so you get all these soldiers who come in and it, it makes the host city an armed camp. Well, there's nothing you can do about that. It's just the way it is. And it got changed in 72, and we're not going back. Uh, but the, the Olympic movement is trying to figure out how to make the games more palatable, more understandable, more attractive, and they have to reduce the cost. They're working on all of these things, but in a, a very large, there's more than 500 employees now in Lausanne. So in a very large corporation, which is what they are, and a worldwide movement that has, if you will, agencies in all 206 countries. That's what the National Olympic Committees really are, is agents for the International Olympic Committee. Change comes slowly. It's a very large bureaucracy, and you can't turn it all around. So that's why you hear Bach uh, talking constantly about Agenda 2020, uh, which, uh, if I hear that again, I'm going to throw up, and the new norm, uh, which is the old norm. You know, they... And I say the old norm uh, strictly because I was a vice president back when I had hair. I have pictures to prove it. Uh, back in 1984, um, essentially the Olympic movement is uh, slowly, haltingly, uh, angrily going back to where we were in 1981, that we would spend no dime before it's time. That's a, a play on the old Paul Masson uh, marketing <laughs> idea will sell no wine before it's time. Before it's time. Uh, but that was essentially what our view was. We would spend no dime before it's time. Um, and we were very, very, very careful about what we did. And if we had money to do things, then we did them. If we didn't have the money to do things, we didn't do them. And we built very, very few facilities. We didn't build none, but we built very few facilities 
and we built them with an eye to their eventual use after the games because we knew that the games were only two weeks and the rest of it is waste. They always talk about legacy. The flip side of legacy is waste. And so if you have things that you don't need, it's waste. Thank you, Rich. You can read and subscribe to Rich's work at thesportsexaminer.com, or you can follow him online at twitter.com slash sports underscore examiner and facebook.com slash thesportsexaminer, and we'll have links to those in the show notes. And you found something interesting about funding for Olympic sports versus non-Olympic sports. Yeah, so why do Olympic sports want in? It's because the Olympic sports versus non-Olympic sports have a funding gap of 10 to 1. Which is crazy, which is, of course, why people keep trying and trying to be on the Olympic program. I mean, squash has tried for ages. Squash has tried since 2012, Mm -hmm. and they've been rejected every single time. And they're getting a little sick of being rejected, so they are kicking around legal action. Which is interesting because, like, the IOC doesn't have to take you, or the actually, because it's not really the IOC choosing the sports, it's a host city choosing the sports, and the IOC is approving that, or not approving that, but, I mean, they get final say, but I think mostly the program gets, the, the program as was developed for Agenda 2020, because the IOC had this uh, change in 2014 where they that's when they didn't specify how many sports could be in the games they they specified the number of athletes and the maximum number of events you could have which is why you right know, we sports, talked about that before yeah so every every edition you can have a totally new sports program if you wanted to i mean you could kick out track and field but who's going to be stupid enough to do that right you hope <laughs> You never know, right? Some some crazy oh. host city could just go, no, nope, we don't need a stadium. We don't want people running. <laughs> but why are they running? But what you know, that that was from? supposed to be able to offer some flexibility in adding new sports because it used to be if you wanted to put in a new sport, you had to cut somebody. And of course that had a whole lot of hand wringing because of the money factor you mentioned. Right. So Paris, we talked about two weeks ago, is adding breakdancing, sport climbing, surfing, and skateboarding. The sport climbing, surfing, and skateboarding are appearing in Tokyo, but they're still on this sort of you can take them out if you want to status. Mm-hmm. So it's not part of the kind of permanent collection, I guess, of <laughs> sports. Yeah, which is interesting because we don't know how well they'll do. You know, will people tune in? Will people go and watch them? Right. Well, the final decision, I thought it was this December. It's the following December. It's December 2020. Oh, okay. So the IOC will know okay. how it went mm-hmm. in Tokyo before that the program for 2024 becomes official. Okay. I know. What year yeah. are we in? Yeah, I'm I know. When sure. you said that, I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's what that says. <laughs> So really only breakdancing is being added for Paris. Correct. As as totally new. Right, right. So you have this whole list. We had talked about this big, long list of sports that either wanted to stay in because they were new for Tokyo or back for Tokyo. And then 
these sports that I keep trying to get in, like squash, who's not happy. I, I want to know what kind of legal recourse they can take. I don't know. It was very much like, well, maybe we'll sue. You know, sort of like when somebody's sitting at a table and their dinner is crummy and they're like, I'll sue. I mean, that's kind of how they were talking about legal action. But out of all the federations that were rejected, squash was really angry. And they were the ones making a lot of noise, whereas, you know, softball and karate, who are in for Tokyo but out for Paris, were very much like, oh, gee whiz, we're sorry to go, but we're going to be great in Tokyo. Oh, and we'll sort of show like, you. I'll show you. Okay. Yeah, but in a very positive, I, fu- I thought in their, their comments were very positive. Like, we're very disappointed, but we're going to be great in Tokyo, and that's what we're focused on right now. And maybe they're thinking, if they are that great in Tokyo, the IOC will reconsider and Paris will reconsider. I mean, you're not going to kick something out that's really successful. I don't know. We shall see. I don't know. Well, it'll be, you know, I will say this. Karate would be interesting to see because I'm sure they are gunning up to say, we will show you how great we're going to be as a sport in Tokyo but that's where the sport was founded. So it's got this built-in audience. Does that translate? And baseball, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like people, uh, to- uh, excuse me, Japan is baseball crazy. Right, right. You have these sports that have a built-in audience, but then then I, I can understand why baseball softball doesn't go to Paris because it's not as much of a sport in Europe. Right. And, and that's a lot of athletes. That it is. I don't know. It'd be interesting, but it, it is interesting. I, I wonder if we have to change mentalities to a more fluid Olympic program. What do you mean? I mean, just you're going to be on the program, you're going to be off the program. You'll be on the program and off the program. Oh, well, that's going to kill any youth development. Do you think? Oh, yeah, because why Why oh, do kids yeah. get into certain sports? Right, if you don't know whether or not you're going to be on the, can go to the Olympics or not. Right. I mean, there'll be a point at which you're going to lose an entire generation of athletes hmm. because they're going to go into another sport. I'd, I'd be curious to know what listeners thought about this since, since my brain power has been packed away. Um, yeah. If you've got thoughts, let us know. We're at uh, info at olimfever.com or olimfever at gmail.com. And we do have a voicemail line that you can call. It is... That's 530-70-FEVER. Let us know what you think about the fluidity of the sports program and how that's going to play out over time. Because you do have sports that will obviously always be on, but then you have sports that are constantly going to be on the bubble. And how much, I mean, how much does modern pentathlon spend to try to stay in the Olympic program versus putting that toward athlete development and making the sport more visible because they're always on the on the bubble or how does handball which is hugely popular in europe try to raise visibility in other parts of the world or same with like i think we need i think we need a road trip to europe to see all these european sports in their environment and in their natural habitat totally, yeah i'm kind of curious to be like, I've never been to a cross-country race. 
anywhere. Mm -hmm. But I would think in Europe, that would be crazy or handball or water polo and experience that. Right. Or table tennis and badminton in Asia. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh my goodness. I'd be scared. (laughs) Why? I don't know. Knowing me, I'd like jump up and get in the way of the little birdie and get hit in the head and (laughs) it would just not be good. I'd cause some international incident at the bad <laughs> tournaments. But, it, I mean, it would be interesting to see these sports and, and and wonder how can you... How can it translate? Right. Translate to, to all countries or more countries. And how do you how do you make that happen? But... Yeah. That's brain power for a different day. <laughs> let's, let's, move, let's move on to our Team Olympic Fever update. Tofu. <laughs> Lauren Gibbs and Brittany Reinbolt finished fifth at the Bobsled World Championships in Whistler, Canada last weekend, which is good. I mean, it was a tough, uh, that's a hugely tough track. It's the toughest track in the world. And Lauren Gibbs's uh, Pyeongchang partner, Ilana Myers-Taylor, had a scary crash in her third run and they didn't finish. But she and her pusher, Lake Quaza, uh, walked away from that. No serious injuries, which is good. Did you see the crash? I did not see the crash. I wanted to, but I haven't gotten to around to it yet. It's not fun to watch. No. What? Oh, what happened? They, they slide. It flipped. The sled flipped. Oh my! And they just slide for at some pretty high speed for a good chunk. Oh man! Did the sled flip back up or no? Did no. They finish on its side. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, it was scary. So that when is they scary. got up out of that sled, I was like, okay. Wow. Breathe, start breathing again. Yeah. Wow. Man, it's a, but it's a tough track. It'll get you. Get Whistler, um, we know. They yes. all tell us it's the fastest track <laughs> in the world. The two-man bobsled also had their competition, and Josh Williamson was with driver Cody Bascu, and they tied for 16th place, which is that was the highest finish by a U.S. sled, which is awesome. Very nice. Very nice. Josh, your first year on the world circuit. Good job. <laughs> you know, that's really good. So he'll be in the four-man, which is this week. Yes. Excellent. Again with Cody. Okay. And look for that on Friday the 8th. Modern pentathlete Samantha Achterberg finished 24th in the first Modern Pentathlete World Cup in Cairo. And she was disappointed in her performance, but um, at least in the laser run segment, which she she seems to kill it in laser run. Because Ben and I were talking about this, because she moved, she was in thirty third place going into the laser run, and she moved up to twenty fourth. Yeah, I I read an article about her today, and I'll I'll link that in Facebook. That's her favorite part is laser run. And you can tell, you can tell, you can tell. So, come on, Sam, you but know what you have to do. She's gonna crank it. She you knows what, what do. she's doing. Get get some work on your other sports, man. That's a hard <laughs> bit. I mean. Yeah, because we know all about that. Yeah, right? It's, well, it's hard. Multi-sports are hard. And especially, like, if you can just be competent in a lot of them and kill it on something, that's where you get your edge. And she's got her edge at the end, but she needs a, a better base. All I can tell you is my pentathlon would involve the couch and some popcorn and a remote control. That would be your and- laser. Okay, no, that's three. That's three things. <laughs> uh, my telephone and petting my dog. That's okay. my pentathlon. So, all right. All right. little different. Yeah, my dog would say that petting the dog is my weakest event. 
Oh, well, of course. But that's like a... a an, subjective she, scoring. Yes, yeah, subjective scoring and a very partial judge. Yeah, true. The biathlon world championships start this weekend and claire egan i know she's going to be in the mixed team relay that is on thursday and she'll be competing more throughout the weekend so very excited for that go claire yeah i know (laughs) it's hard it's hard to believe now that winter season is wrapping up all the world championships they're finishing up yes let's move on to our tokyo 2020 update Now, you found that there are some new sponsors. Yes. So there's going to be the uh, Japanese or the Tokyo Organizing Committee has partnered with Narita International and Haneda Airports. So those are going to be the official airports of the Olympic Games. I have no idea what that means. Maybe they get to put the Olympic signs up in the airport. I would I would imagine. I mean, you know how they've had different like welcomings, welcome signage all over the place. Yeah. So and the and the you know what? I bet the mascots will be in the airport. I bet they will too. And they will need they have gotten opposable thumbs so they can help you with your oh, luggage. Oh good. <laughs> yeah. I saw the latest version and this version definitely had better thumb <laughs> uh, control. And then the other sponsor is Tanaka Jewelry. Ooh. So I'm like, man, can I have rings and all different jewels? You know, the Olympic rings and a necklace, right. all different jewels. Right. What they need to do is make individual Olympic ring rings, and then you have five of them, on one on each finger. Oh, the stackable. Oh, you could do the stackable rings. Yes, yes, yes. Or bracelets, like a tennis bracelet in each color. Mm-hmm. Is there diamond in every... I think there's a diamond in every color of the Olympic rings. You could have five diamond Oh man. tennis bracelets. Ooh. Tanaka, call me. I'll work with your designers. We've got ideas. <laughs> All I'll need for my commission is one set of everything. Not a problem. Sold. There you go. The other big piece of news from Tokyo 2020 is around their smoking ban. Yes, yeah, so they've banned smoking in the venues and around the outside of the venues so that people won't be standing at the doorways smoking. Okay, okay. So in London and um, Rio, you couldn't smoke inside the venues or they had designated smoking areas. Okay. So this is a change. This is more no smoking areas. There is still going to be a designated smoking area in the athlete's village, which I think is really bizarre. I know. Because don't you think the athletes would be the least likely to be smoking, but maybe like the coaches and the officials? Right. I don't know. But I I remember in looking at the furniture that they had given and the the furniture they put in the athletes village in Montreal, everybody had a cigarette or an ashtray. But that was 1976. Yeah, I know. But you would think that there would be no cigarettes now, but the kids these days like to smoke. Well, it, it also reminded me that you know, smoking culture is very different around the world. Yes, that is very, very true. We, you know, we in the United States, you know, especially you and I at our age, we remember smoking in restaurants. We remember Mm -hmm. smoking on the trains. Right. But now, you know, my daughter who's 16, she's like, she sees somebody smoking on the street and she's like, that's disgusting. Why are they smoking where anybody else can breathe it in? Such a, such a different culture, but I'm sure in other countries, it is very different. 
So Japan does not have smoking bans in restaurants and bars and even in some office buildings, they have smoking rooms. Okay. So this is a significant difference even to their own culture. Oh, that'll be interesting. So that may be controversial. We'll have to see. That may be the smoking controversy. Yeah. Of 2020. You'll have to let us know if people are, you know, yeah, no, secretly have smoking to in the bathroom. Put like that, we did put in that on the list. But vaping, by the way, this smoking bad includes vaping. Oh, that's interesting. That's yeah. Because it's, that's no different. No vaping, no smoking. Yeah, but still gross. There's my PSA. It's still gross. Well, I have a, a PSA for you. Did you know that one of the easiest ways to support the show is by shopping on Amazon? You can buy... I did. Well, good. You know, oh, you can click... <laughs> you can go to our website, olimfever.com, click on the Amazon banner, and uh, then anything you purchase will get a little commission from, and that will really help us to put together more interesting and cool things as we get closer to Tokyo 2020. So please help us out. That's by going to our website, clicking on the Amazon banner, and doing a little shopping of your own. So thank you, thank you so much for your support. And I think on that note, uh, we're going to wrap it up for this week. I think I'm going to take a nap and start training for my pentathlon. I think that sounds good to me. So we will catch you back here next week for more Olympic stories. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, keep the flame alive. Stay in touch. Email us at olymfever at gmail.com. That's O-L-Y-M fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. We're on Twitter at Olympfever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. Was ist das? Breakdancing. <laughs>